God. I want to bring your attention almost immediately into our text for this morning. Really, really simple text if you think about it, but it has so much implications for the lives of the believer. I'm going to slow down and read this text as intentionally as I can. Not that, not that Gus didn't do an amazing job. He, he always comes through with, with these texts. But I want to slow down and just, just read this text into your hearing, and then we'll get an encouragement from this text, hopefully. It says, God is our refuge and strength. Let, let that just soak in for a bit. God is our refuge and strength. A very real and present help in times of trouble. The author would go on to say, therefore, we will not fear. And while there is a comma there, I'm just stopping there for the purpose of our exhortation. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of troubles. Therefore, we will not fear. As we look at this particular text on this morning, I just have some things and some, some words within the confines of this text I want to just pull out for the purpose of an encouragement on this morning in the hopes that this acts as the base of a good foundation for a faith that stands in the midst of great calamity. As we think about what the psalmist is sharing here, the psalmist, before he goes into any further explanation for his statement or for his faith, he makes a bold declarative statement. He affirms something before he goes on to explain the intricacies of it. He, he affirms that God is in fact his refuge and his strength. And as he goes on to say a very present help in a time or times of trouble, he is letting us know of some truths within the confines of his life, but it's an it's a overarching truth that all of us need to be particularly aware of. If I were to work this text in reverse, notice the latter part of this verse says he is a very present or real help in a time or times of trouble. So what the, the, the psalmist is having us to know and to recognize is, is there are going to be times when we will encounter tragedies. This, this word trouble here is not just meager frustrations or inconveniences. This, this word trouble here gives the idea of distress and anguish. It's, it's weight. It's, it's calamity. It's it's chaos, and so he, he, he says that, that God, the Elohim, the, this God that we have a relationship with, he is a very present, notice this, help when the troubles come. And if we know anything about troubles, troubles 
do come and they will come. But he said, in times of our anguish, in times of our pain, in times of our distresses, in times of our calamities, in times of chaos, he says, God is the one who is there to help us through our calamities. Let me just work this backwards. The word help carries with it not just a simple connotation of assistance, but from the standpoint of a linguistic or language point of view within scripture, the word help carries with it two senses here. Number one, it's, it, it, it's used in reference to equipment used to secure a ship in the middle of a storm. So when, the, when, when, when it's time for, for a storm to come, there are some equipments, whether you are at port or whether you are at sea, there, there is equipment that you would use to secure and fasten if you're at the port, the ship itself, and if you're out at sea, there would be equipment that you would use to fasten the, the, the cargo and everything else that's valuable on the ship. And so he says God is in fact a help. He is the thing that gives us security in the middle of our storms. But not only does he, he use the term in terms of a security, but the, the second sense in which this word help is often used in scripture is the idea of a gift that is given for the purpose of ministry. Let me repeat that one more time. It's not just when we think about help. It's not, the, the connotation is not only for, for, for securing or fastening or, 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 or bringing bring to a firm foundation a ship in the midst of a storm, but it's also used, the second connotation is it is a gift that is given for the purpose of ministry. In other words, God has given each and every one a task, and in order for us to accomplish the task, he goes ahead and he gives us that which we need to accomplish the task at hand. God does know that this ministry that we have is a great one, and we can't handle this ministry on our own. He, he knows that we need help to accomplish the great task ahead of us, and so he gives us the help to be able to accomplish the ministry and the task that he sets out before us. We'll go into this a little bit further if I have the time, and so it, it, it says that God is in fact a help in the time of trouble. So we looked at trouble, that's distress, that's calamity, that's, that's anguish, that's chaos. We look at help carrying two cents, uh, equipment used to secure a ship in the middle of a storm and a gift that is given for ministry. But, but then he says in verse number one, he is our refuge and he is our strength. Translators could have used the word refuge here on both occasions because even the word strength can be translated refuge. So this could have easily read, God is our refuge and refuge, a very present help in times of trouble. But he uses two distinct words here, number one for the word refuge, and then later on in the text for the word strength. The word refuge, as he uses it, is indicative of the six cities of refuge that was established for the Israelite people. 
six cities of refuge that will establish you. You find this in the book of Numbers, chapter number 35, where, where God establishes these six these six cities of refuge, three are on the west side of the Jordan and three on the east side of the Jordan and the entire idea. And there, you go and read Numbers chapter 35, you'll see the list of all of this. But the whole idea was, if, if somebody were to take an innocent life by accident... And you would say, how could you take an innocent life by accident? Well, sometimes things happen. Sometimes uh, you, you might be playing or you, you're having a tussle with somebody and you push them, not with the intention or the malice to kill them, but you know, they stumble and they fall and they may hit their head and they pass away. Well, that was considered accidental death. Now, if, you, if it was something that was premeditated, that was deemed murder, and so you would take the murderer and you would put the murderer to death. But in the instance of accidental death, Within the confines of the law, God had established what was considered to be the cities, these six cities of refuge that the person could go to and they would have safety there from the family member or the avenger of the person that would have died. Let me show you how this worked. First of all, when, when the incident took place, so somebody didn't just take off running to a city of refuge now. They, they, they still had to stand some type of trial before the Israelite council and before the judge and so on. And once their situation was deemed accidental, then now to prevent another aspect of, of the law, which was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life, this person would now have to go to one of these six cities of refuge. And while the high priest was alive, the avenger or the revenger wasn't able to set hand on them. All right, now if they stepped out of the protection or the borders of that city and the avenger was waiting, waiting there for them, the avenger could have gone ahead and taken their life as, as, as revenge for them accidentally killing their loved one. But while they were in the protection of the city, the avenger or the revenger couldn't step foot to do anything. I, I don't know if you're making the association there. When, 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 when the psalmist says, the Lord or God is my refuge, we, Paul allows, allows us to know that the wages of sin is death. Uh, uh, when, when, because of sin, we deserve death. But when we find ourselves in the refuge of God, when we find ourselves in the refuge of the city, the, the avenger, death has no place in this place. So he says, God is our refuge. And so this brings to view the, the reality of the cities of refuge. When we are in God, when we are in Christ, things that should kill us have no power over us. So sin has no grip over the child of God. Death has no real grip over the child of God because we are nestled in the bosom of the refuge that is Jehovah God. But not only does this word refuge bring this reality into view, but he also uses the word fortress or the word strength. So he says, God is not only my refuge, God is not only the place that I run to when I'm in difficulty or people are running after me. And notice here, because I'll say this, the people in question aren't foreigners. The people in question here are, are fellow Israelites. There are times when you have to go to God because you have internal struggles. 
But then there are also times when you have to go to God when you have enemies from on the outside. If, 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 we, would just be, if we would just be honest just for a little bit, we have to run at times to God when we have trouble in the home. <laughs> we, we have to run to God sometimes when we have trouble in the church. And you do have trouble in the home the same way you do have struggles and trouble in the church. And when we have those internal struggles, we, we need to learn what it means to run to our place of refuge. Why is it when, when brother is having an issue against brother, we, we have to run to people on the outside? It's, it's because we haven't really recognized we have a place of refuge to run to. That's why when Paul is dealing with and addressing the brethren at Corinth, he, he kind of asks this kind of way, why is it, do, do, we, do you take your brother to court? Do we not have people amongst ourselves who could help adjudicate and bring this thing to a favorable conclusion? But sometimes when we go through periods and bouts of church, church you don't want to hear church people. That's the wrong attitude because it's the church people who are, are knowledgeable about the things of God that could help you go through and navigate what you are going through. So he says God is in fact our place of refuge, but he is also, check this, our fortress. Uh, let, me, let me work with this a little bit uh, for, for, for two minutes. The idea of a fortress is something that is kind of lost on the Israelites. And let me see if I can explain that to some good extent. Israel's city or place, fortified city as it were, was Jerusalem. Compared to other nations around whose cities were well fortified, case in point, the Babylonian, uh, Babylonian uh, people, they, they, they had, a, the, you know, Babylon was this huge city with these, these, these high, high walls. If you think about Jericho, for example, Jericho had these high, high, so-called impenetrable walls until God came on the scene. If you think about a fortress, you're not just thinking about a castle or a stronghold, but you're also thinking about an area that is well fortified, that once you go in, it doesn't matter who the enemy is on the outside, there is no getting to you. And the reason why I'm saying this physical representation of a fortress is kind of lost on Israel because if you think about it, the reality is Israel never really had a physical fortress. They, they had, the, the, the city of Jerusalem had a, a, a wall that, that, that aided and abetted in, in some type of security and protection. Of, of course, you, you know, they, they had a dwelling place for the king. But, but if you think about it, you had a, a dwelling place for the king. You had walls around the city. But then you had the temple. The real security for Israel wasn't the king's castle. Let me, let me, Kyle, let me work with this for just 30 more seconds. The real security and protection for Israel wasn't necessarily the walls. <laughs> the real fortress and strength of Israel wasn't even the temple. 
The real strength and fortress of Israel was God being present with them. Because you could have the highest walls. You could have the biggest castles. You could have the, the most beautiful, well-structured temple. If God is not present, you are as good as in an open field with an army in front of you. So when the, when the author says, God is in fact my refuge, he is saying he is the place that I run to. When he said, God is in fact my strength or my refuge, he is the establishment of protection and safety for you and me. A very present help, that means it, it doesn't matter how much times you run to God, God is not a man who will reproach you to say, well, you came for help last week. You asked for help two days ago. He is always ready and present to be your help in your times of trouble. Church, in calamity, and this is a question I'm asking and I'm, I'm expecting a response. In calamity, who do we need to run to? Come on. In frustration, who do we need to run to? God. If, well, let's, let's settle on one. God, right? God. Let's, let's settle on one. God. As a matter of fact, no. Let's, let's, let's make it a little bit more sophisticated. Let's, let's say Yahweh. Let's try this one more time. In calamity, who do you run to? Yahweh. In frustration, who do you run to? When you're, going, when you're having marital issues, who do you need to run to? Yeah. When you're having medical issues, who do you need to run to? Yeah. When you're having social issues, who do we need to run to? Yeah. Come on, give it a smile on your face. Who is your refuge? Yeah. Who is your strength? Who is your very present help in a time of need? Come on, say it with a smile. It's, it's Yahweh. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our help. In times of trouble. Let me show you this and I'll be done. God knew that we couldn't do this thing on our own. Even from the beginning of creation, he... He knew that we would need ample heavenly help. So I want to put it to you this way. Notice the, the cities of refuge were erected before the trouble came for the person so that the person could have a place to run to. The fortress, in order for it to be a fortress, it has to be erected before the army comes to trouble you. <laughs> God predates creation. And the last time I checked, the church was in the mind of God before God said, let there be light. Before the foundation of the world, the church was already present in the mind of God. So God had predetermined before there was an answer to our question, God had a solution to our problem. That, 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 sound, that sounded really good. Be, be, before there was an answer to the question, God had a solution to the problem. And the same way the city of refuge had to be built 
before the situation took place, and the same way the fortress had to be built in order to be a fortress, the church was in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. And when the church was established, the church became a place of refuge. When the church was built, the church became a fortress. So let me conclude where I should have concluded last week when, when, when Jesus was passing through the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of, son of man, am? You remember this. This is, this is in Acts chapter number 16 now. It, he says, some say that you are Elijah. Some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say that you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he turns to them and he says, but who do you say that I, the son of man, am? And Simon Peter stands up and says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He turns to Peter and he says to Peter, Peter, blessed art thou, Simon Barjuna, for flesh and blood had not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the gates of death shall not prevail against it. Christ said, when I build my church, I will make it so secure that even the gates of death can stand in its wake. So the church represents, as much as God is the refuge, he is the refuge, and the church is the refuge because God is the real refuge, but the church represents that place that we could run to for shelter in the times of our storms. The church represents a fortress that we could go to in times of struggle and in times of war. So we need to be so careful now, church, to make sure that this place, and I told you last week it's not this, it's this. We need to be so careful that this place 